Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap DSG. Straight away with the explicit language warning. <laughs> nice work, mate. That's exactly what we're going to need tonight. Uh, it's only me and Macca. Uh, poor old Nikki got uh, caught up with other things this afternoon, so she can't be with us. But uh, you'll get your fair share of... of uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll just turn myself down because I was a bit loud then. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, yeah, so joining me tonight, Macca, how are you going, Mac? Yes, welcome to the happiness hour, everybody, because I'm sure <laughs> there's, there's going to be a few words said tonight. Yes, uh, not good at all, not good at all. Uh, but we will get to that, but let's get all the other stuff out of the way first and we'll look at some scores, shall we? I don't know how your tips went, Macca, but mine were cooked again this week. Uh, not a lot of, <laughs> yeah, no good. No good. A lot of fun. <laughs> all right, let's go all the way back to Friday night, where uh, uh, interesting game: Hawthorne getting up in the end over Car- uh, Collingwood. I should say, nine goals, thirteen sixty-seven to nine goals, nine sixty-three. So a margin of four points there, and Collingwood have really hit the wall in the last few weeks. Well, they've, been, they've had some wins in uh, recent time, not last week, but the two weeks prior to that, I think, uh, they scrambled wins when they didn't weren't going too well. And now that's been reflected in the last couple of weeks that they've been beaten. Um, you wouldn't say that Hawthorne are, are giant killers by any means with the team they've got at their disposal at the moment. But, uh, well, they had the master behind them with his game plan and, in, and the way he played them, and uh, they were... They outshone uh, Collingwood and, uh, well, Hawthorne won't probably play finals. Collingwood probably will, but they're not going to if they don't improve on what they're playing at the moment. They're very lacklustre. Well, it really is a mid-season slump uh, from Collingwood. Buckley not happy, so you'd imagine that there'd be a bit of a response, I think. Um, But, uh, yeah, Hawthorne... I don't know what they necessarily achieve out of that win, but it was a good win nonetheless. Saturday, uh, Essendon getting up and... What sort of a what sort of a hoodoo is the Swans uh, MCG, MCG hoodoo over Essendon? <laughs> it's like ninety six years or something, but they've only played Essendon at the MCG thirteen times or something in that in ninety six years or something, Macca, and haven't beaten and that, them in all that time. Yes, I think that's right. I think I did hear that they haven't won one, have they? Unbelievable. Uh, seventy six points, eleven ten seventy six Essendon to nine twelve sixty six. Uh, Sydney, a margin of 10 points there, and Essendon keeping themselves in touch with the eight as a result. Yeah, Essendon, uh, you know, they, they're not a team that can win a grand final, um, in my opinion, because they've got weaknesses around, but uh, always entertaining to watch, uh, in my opinion. They've got plenty of pace in their side, which is something we lack badly, and uh, they move the ball very quickly. And uh, uh, Sydney, for a team that's sort of rebuilding on the go, uh, they played pretty well as well, but not quite good enough. Uh, Eston just a little bit better on the night, on the day. Yeah, I think Sydney have still got a way to go. Um, they're a bit deficient in some respects, but uh, they're still making a reasonably good fist of it. Um, and Essendon, it'd be hard being an Essendon supporter, I reckon, because uh, they they show a lot, but I, I think they what they lack is any sort of defensive presence. So when, when they're on offensively, when they're running... 
uh, I think they're good to watch. But when a, when another team gets on top of them, I think they have trouble stopping them. Yeah, my last comment on that particular game, Sydney. And I, I I do give credit to Sydney because if you have a look at their side, they have been, they are prepared to drop. Uh, sent some senior players and put in young players that have got promise for the future, which is something I wish that our club would look at and follow. Yep. Uh, we'll talk all about that <laughs> in terms of what our club should or should not be doing. Uh, Richmond absolutely slaughtered Gold Coast. Uh, they were 70-odd points up at half-time, weren't they, and ended up winning by 92 in a canter. Uh, Richmond, 23 goals, 12 one fifty two. Gold Coast Suns nine four fifty eight a margin of ninety two points and uh, bye bye pick one. Yes, I think uh, there's no doubt that Gold Coast are not going to beat anybody for the rest of the year. Um, look, I Except did maybe see fragment- <laughs> I did see fragments of the game um, in, in between Essendon and Sydney, and I have to say I can't see the logic of why there is a football team at the Gold Coast. It's it's been there several years now, and it's just getting worse each year. And uh, uh, so they're an absolute chopping block. Uh, there's nothing more you can say about that. They're like crippled witches hats. They're no good at all. And I, I think I would get rid of the Gold Coast and create a team down in Tasmania with it. Well, they're not going to, Mac. It's as simple as that. They've botched the implementation of Gold Coast, but I think they're too far in. There's um, barony and hundreds of millions in it. Yep. Uh, they're too far in, um, and they won't. The AFL are not ones to cut their losses. They'll flog it and flog it and flog it. Um, but it's hard to see. Uh, uh, the, what Gold Coast need is an injection of talent and care factor because at the moment, it's uh, it doesn't seem like they're playing with either. Uh, despite having some good players at that club and Stewie Jew. Um, by all reports, being a decent coach. But, I mean, it'd be so hard as a player. If, you, if you're not having team success up at the Gold Coast, you'd be wandering around thinking, why the hell am I here? Yeah, that, and that's why so many... If you have a look at uh, all the other teams in the AFL, uh, there's quite a few Gold Coast players there that thought exactly what you just said, Fiend. Yep, and uh, maybe that applies a little bit to Adelaide anyway as well. Um, but... Uh, uh, we also had Western Bulldogs 10 11 71, uh, a great victory over Geelong, seven goals, 13 55, um, a margin there of 16 points. I guess uh, Geelong just faltering a little bit after the bye there, one and two after the bye, and of course, with the, with the one victory they've had. Did watch that game, and to me, uh, you know, Western Bulldogs, they do have a mighty midfield um, Dunkley, McRae, Bontempelli. Uh, in form they're, at they're, the moment to their midfield. Yeah, all at once, and they're, they're an outstanding midfield. Um, but they also ran players, also busted their guts, and this was, uh, in my opinion, a victory of uh, effort over talent in the sense that the uh, much, much superior effort from the Western Bulldogs, and they beat a much, much better talented team. But uh, that's what you get if you really give 100%. Uh, absolutely. Um, and in a small consolation for uh, Adelaide fans, the Dockers suffered a far more humiliating uh, showdown slash derby loss, uh, going down 19 goals, 8-122 West Coast to 2 goals, 19, if you don't mind. The Fremantle Dockers, a margin there of 91 points. How does 
How does number four beat number seven or eight by <laughs> 91 points? I think you can sum up the three of a bag of shit. Oh, <laughs> just beautiful. Oh, and, you know, their movement of the ball in towards the goals. There were quite a few rush points in there as well in that in that 19 points, but some of them were goals that should have been kicked. And, Two goals? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no, terrible. Oh, that's shocking. Uh, and um, today we had a very exciting finishes, finish to the Melbourne-Carlton game. It shouldn't have been exciting. Melbourne up by 30-odd points at three-quarter time. Uh, and Carlton getting their noses in front uh, with a couple of minutes left, but uh, Melbourne um, getting up on the back of a... Uh, uh, what's his name? What's his first name? I can't remember. Uh, Jaden Jaden Hunt's... Uh, oh, lovely cool shot for goal, yeah. Yeah, 15-15, uh, 105 to 15-10-100 with uh, the Gov hitting the post at the death. Yeah, as I've been saying all along... Um, there's a lot more talent in Carlton than um, we, the most of us think there is. And then uh, interesting things, the human stump's gone and Teague's been coaching and we, we're starting to see that talent show up. And and that's without two very, very good players in their, uh, in their out, out of their yeah. team today. Um, well, I mean, Melbourne were without a few as well, Macca. Uh, so I always thought it was going to be a tight match because uh, Melbourne aren't going that well and they didn't have Gorn today and a couple others. So... Um, you know, uh, Carlton absolutely making a good showing of themselves, and it's not often in the last few years you've seen Carlton kick a hundred points or win or win or lose. So uh, they're obviously going better. Um, they were six goals down just before three quarter time. Six yeah, goal down. Yeah, it's a good comeback, uh, and it shows a bit of spirit in that team that has been sadly lacking for a long time. So I think. If anything else, that's Teague's uh, biggest achievement is to just in, yep. inject a bit of spirit and pride back in the side. So, um, you know, good for them, bad for us. <laughs> uh, North continuing on their winning way. Speaking of uh, caretaker coaches doing well, although it uh, was against St Kilda, North 17 goals, 10-1-1-2 to the Saints 11 goals, seven seventy three. They're a margin of 39 points. Yeah, North Melbourne built them early. Um, Zeebel in top form. Um, and uh, to St Kilda's credit, uh, their second half was much, much better than their, their first half and they never gave up. But uh, I still think that uh, their coach is, I think he'd be getting a bit quivery, I think. Oh, it'd have to be Macker, I think. It'd have to be. Um the interesting thing is, you know, the, the acting coach of uh, North Melbourne, um, mm. as I've said before, he's obviously got them believing that they are a much better football team than they were performing before. Um, do you think? Do you think he's a chance at all to be appointed? Sadly, I don't think. I think no. But um, well, who's who's going to be around? Who's like who's going to be available to coach? There's going to be oh, at least two clubs, at, well, Longmire. at least two clubs that are going to be looking for coaches. Uh, Longmire's the one that you'd think, um, if anyone was going to coach outside of the incumbent, it would be him. But aside yeah, from he that, up and silly. well, yeah, but uh, um, <laughs> it is Johnny Longmire. Speak, they don't like uh, good orators down at North Melbourne. <laughs> um, but aside from that, it's just a. a Good ordinary bunch of assistants at the moment, so um, I don't know. I reckon both incumbents are in with a really good shot. Actually, of, of I reckon Teague's a good show 
of staying yes. staying in that job. And you know, the further it goes, the harder it is for North to ignore Reece Shaw, I think. Uh, and Reeshaw, having played for Sydney, if Longmire does come down to North, uh, maybe Reece is in with a shot at Sydney. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, and the last uh, last game of the round, uh, the Brisbane Lions continuing their solid rebound from obscurity. Uh, 14 goals, 10-94, um, beating the Giants uh, 11 goals, 8-74. That's, a, that's an excellent win by Brisbane to win by 20 points. This is the, as I was saying to you off here, it's a great blueprint for a, the way a football club can raise itself up from the bootstraps. By, it, look, it took its hits, and uh, but then it, and Noble was assigned to be uh, the guy running the show. Fagan came as the coach after sitting alongside Clarkson, and apparently he's a great, great uh, player's person. Um, it t- talks to every player every day. And look, these, are, these were... At the beginning of the season, you'd say there are a lot of no-name brands in that particular team, but you're getting to know them very well because they're playing very good football. And uh, I think they're up in fourth position after today. And uh, Giants, with their very multi-talented football team, were just beaten by a better team on the day. Look, and I think it's a, a great illustration of the value of having a good back office and a good coaching panel to underpin uh, a, a, a playing group. Because yeah. there's no doubt that Fagan has had a massive influence on uh, the playing group up there until, in terms of getting them organised and getting them playing in the right way and playing to the same hint sheet, uh, hymn book, etc. And you say what you like about David Noble, but uh, he's done an excellent job there uh, in the back office. That, that club has stabilised. Uh, their players are committed. Uh, there's plenty of talent. Um, you know, and at the end of this round, they sit fourth on the ladder. So, um, yeah. you know, as so Jay, Ma- as Jay Mac only- points out in the in the chat, elite standards, absolutely. Uh, God, Jay Mac, don't get me started, mate. Um, the interesting thing is they had, they did have goals for the year too. Their goal was to win eight games for the year, and they were, they already achieved that. Yeah, yeah. So. No, it's a it's an excellent. I, I enjoy watching Brisbane play because they always give you an honest account of themselves. Um, speaking of the ladder, let's go and have a look at the ladder now. We've got Geelong still on top of game clear, having dropped this week uh, with 12 wins. Uh, West Coast uh, doing their percentage, no harm whatsoever, uh, sitting on uh, 11 wins. Collingwood and Brisbane fill out the top four on 10 wins, uh, and uh, both with healthy percentage. The Giants dropping out of the top four and looking a little lacklustre. And I tell you, there's another coach that might start looking in the mirror soon, and that's Leon Cameron, because how the hell he doesn't get that side with that amount of talent up. If he if he leaves that job without a, without a premiership, um, it's an indictment on his coach, coaching, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, Nine wins. There, there is just something quite missing in GWS. I, that look, spirit. When they play, the, I'm not sure what it is, but when they play at their best, they look like world beaters, like they don't uh, unbeatable, and they have... Huge talent, mm. and they've got probably in playing in their twos. They've got players that would would be definitely in other sides. But there's something that's missing about a killer instinct to to actually win. Yeah, uh, look out the Tigers, as uh, Vardy said last week, and we agreed with him. Uh, up into sixth position, also on nine wins. 
Port Adelaide leapfrogging us after their victory uh, on Saturday afternoon uh, on percentage. Uh, our percentage taking a real hit down to 105%, but staying in the eight, just above Essendon, uh, also on eight wins. Um, North on seven, along with Fremantle and the Bulldogs. Um, none of those teams up above 100% yet, but North threatening uh, and really coming hard uh, after a poor start. Hawthorne, uh, Sydney and St Kilda. It's hard to believe that those three teams are on six points. Uh, St Kilda just seems so much worse than Hawthorne and, and the Swans, but uh, they're on uh, sorry, six wins. Uh, Melbourne on five wins in 16th. Carlton uh, still even with Gold Coast on three wins, but with a far healthier percentage. Um, so, oh God, we, we stay in the eight, Macca. Um, but it's starting to, uh, with a couple of teams coming, Essendon and North Melbourne and Fremantle uh, still hanging around, and also don't discount the Bulldogs finding a bit of form. Uh, it's starting to look a little bit dicey, mate. Yep, and quite frankly, I don't think it really matters, Pete, um, because there is no flag here. There's definitely no flag. Um, I've, I said at the beginning, I didn't think that we were, we had the team for a flag, um, and I'll stick to that. And uh, also, I don't think Port Adelaide will... Uh, I reckon when the whips are cracking, we won't be there. And like we're talking about top four, final four stuff, uh, and neither will Port. That we're just well, not quite good enough. Let's talk about we'll, we'll it. Let's talk about it properly. No, I said we'll go through it properly. We'll go through it properly. But uh, I dead set agree with you, mate. There's no flag with this uh, with this squad. Uh, let's uh, relive the scoreboard and uh, after being up early and only down by a couple of points on the back of some poor kicking at half time we capitulated capitulated one goal three to nine goals nine after half time and that one goal was about 30 seconds into the third quarter Macca um, so after 30 seconds into the third quarter we did not kick another point in fact we only kicked three points Yes, uh, uh, to go down 15-11-101 to 5 goals 14-44 uh, as Pike and Rue described it embarrassing well it was embarrassing uh, left one uh, disillusioned angry disappointed and resentful and uh, as Matthew Hoare said it was a fucking capitulation and uh at the first half of the game, we did have effort and we were so inefficient and we've got people who can't look at a goal 30 metres out and kick, or 40 metres out and kick straight, which is pathetic. And so we wasted it through inefficiency. But at halftime, we were, I think it was 4-11 to 6-1 or 6-2, not sure which one it was, but uh, we should have had a five-goal lead. And that was based on effort. And yeah, but you know what? We're at that... Sorry, I was going to say, where that went to after half-time feed, I don't know. The thing is, we shouldn't need a half-time lead, and we've shown against teams like West Coast that it doesn't matter if we've got a, a big lead at various points in the game. We always appear to be vulnerable. Um, it's now become a bit of a trend. Um, you know, at stages, we were in control against Geelong the week before. Uh, we've had other games where we've been in control, uh, e.g. the West Coast game, uh, and just, just gone to water. Um, it, oh, look, uh, 
we went we um without preempting anything uh Nikki and myself and Cam went down and did the uh the muffin break on Friday at the club as you know Mac <laughs> yes and uh, in some ways I'm very disappointed that we did that uh catch up with Andrew uh, before the showdown and not after the showdown because I think the tone might have been a little bit different had we gone down this week rather than last week. Oh, um, very much so, wouldn't it? But look, people who've been listening to the podcast for a while have probably heard uh, a few of us uh, lament the quality of the list and, and at various stages we've we've fallen for false dawns and, you know, even, uh, I've, you know, Peter's been up and about the last month. You know, I've had stages where I've thought that, you know, perhaps a new game plan that that Don's put in uh, is going to serve us well and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I'm, I'm officially off now. Um, we can't win with this team. Uh, at, we, we have... Too much of a, a quality vacuum. Uh, there's a lot of blokes that uh, will play well under certain circumstances and will go missing in others. There's not a lot of grit in the side. Uh, there's a lack of class in the side. And uh, we lack a bloke who can break even in the air up forward. Uh, and yeah. as, as a consequence, you, you're not going to win 50-50 games of football if you haven't got a bloke like, say, you know, um, Kennedy taking a, a, a contested mark up forward at a cr- critical time or, you know, uh, uh, a Travis Boke or someone like that bursting or Robbie Gray bursting out of the, the square at a crit- critical moment to uh, get a clearance. We don't have those types of players. We have workmanlike players who will play to a game plan and when the game plan's working uh, they'll, they'll, they're very well drilled but when it when it comes to actually uh, using some initiative and rolling up the sleeves and getting the hands dirty uh, the majority of our team go missing Macca and it's very very disappointing well I think you didn't even quite go quite far enough I mean uh, I don't think we will ever win a flag with this set of coaches with this set, with this game plan, and with this set of players, because the players you've covered them, but if you go through our, our, our quality of our coaches, um, I think our, our defence was the only was the only area of the game where where we had players that gave a hundred percent and kept bursting their fritters trying to stop this big wave coming in nonstop. Uh, the midfield coach. Um, He's come fresh out of the SNAFL and we were killed in the clearances. And we've, time after time, thing, we say the same old story. The other the opposition has players sitting on the outside and they just get it straight to them and down the, straight down the guts. And uh, we just, it, it's in, the, the setups are just totally wrong. And when we go, and when we go to the forward coach, we've got Ben Hart. And Ben Hart, we, uh, I understand. If I, correct if I'm wrong, but I understand he was told to look for a job elsewhere at the beginning of the year, and they were on his contract. If he couldn't get another job, nobody wanted him, and uh, therefore he's our forward coach. And our forward line is a rabble. There is I can't see any structure in it whatsoever. And so with this coaching group and with this game plan and with this group of players who were there, they've got several of them that will just fold like a deck of cards. There's no there's no future. Yeah. Now, there's a few blokes on the chat saying, you know, 
various staff members don't care and they're just there for a hobby or whatever. I can't obviously go into um, what we talked about on Friday yet because we've got to send a bloody transcript to the club and yada, 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 which is fine. Um, Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that everyone that is at the football club gives a shit, right? I'm in no doubt that everyone involved with the Adelaide Crows, from the CEO down to the boot stutter, gives a damn, wants to win, wants to win more than anything else, spends a ton of time at the club, right? So I have no doubt, no doubt about that from speaking to people down at the club. What I do have a doubt in is that's all well and good, but effort alone... Effort alone does not get you the results. And what I'm seeing is that we've got uh, people in certain positions that just aren't up to it, uh, and that's players and coaches and possibly administrators. Um, and there's not much impetus for change, Macca. There's not oh, yeah. l- not much in the way of... Uh, uh, of change um, triggers, if you like, and what I what I see on the field is a bunch of blokes that, when things aren't going their way, there's there's not enough motivation, or for whatever reason, there doesn't seem to be enough motiva- motivation to to dig in and roll up the sleeves and and make something happen. If it doesn't happen the way they've trained, if it doesn't happen the way they've been drilled, if the game plan doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. Then they ran. They run around clueless. And what I saw from about halfway through the third quarter was a team that had had run out of ideas. They actually did not know how to get themselves back into that game, Macker. No, and that's yeah, a that's big on and off the field. Mm. That's a big problem. If you, as a footballer, can't see what's going on because you're playing to a a game plan that is totally drilled into you and is totally reliant on everyone playing their role, which the club and Don has come out and said, you know, we're evenly spread team and everyone's got a role to play, which is great. But you need blokes that can instigate change in real time, you know, under pressure, to be able to evaluate situations and go, we need to change this now, or we need to cover that bloke now, we need to do something different now. And what I see is a bunch of blokes that don't really... Like the amount of times, Macca, and I reckon I saw it three or four times, the amount of times that I saw a situation where a poor player had the ball and there were a couple of blokes from the Crows around him, but those Crows blokes were more worried about running after the bloke that they'd been assigned to, to playing rather than covering the guy with the ball. It was At one stage it was quite laughable in the middle, and I forget the players involved, but there was a there was a Crows player about two metres in front of a Port player who had the ball. The Crows player turned around and chased the bloke that he was supposed to be playing on instead of going up and putting I pressure on the ball yeah. carrier. Now, that to me is indicative of a, a playing group that has no uh, game awareness. They, they, they have no uh, ability to assess situations in real time. And everything, everything is drilled, everything is roles, everything is, you know, you must do this and you must do that. And I don't see any initiative whatsoever. And I th- it killed us in the second half. We, we might as well stop the game halfway through the third quarter because you could see the way the Crows were playing. We'd run out of ideas. And we've seen it against Geelong. 
We've seen it against Hawthorne where you can tell by halfway through the second quarter, we don't know how to win this game. We might as well blow the whistle now because we don't know how to win this game. And that's how it was when Port got on top uh, on Saturday afternoon. We ran out of ideas and we might as well have just declared the result and gone home early. Well, there's also a, a great lack of effort too once Port got running. Um, and it started from their back lines and they would uh, switch it out wide and we would just all follow and then open up in the middle and then they'd just come running through the middle with handball. They, they took a couple of risks. and uh, But the one thing, and I, I do want to make this particular point, which I was screaming at the TV and I was talking to other people afterwards about it, are we the best team in the competition for hitting the feet of our uh, uh, teammates oh with a handball? Brad Crouch, uh, world champion, hitting hitting blokes in the bloody bootstraps with his handballs. Well, yeah, I, I, I was very, very critical of our forward line, and I'm still critical of our forward line, but I would not want to be a forward line player in front of our players around the midfield area who do these inefficient handballs. They might have been in the clear, and they may have been able to do a kick straight away, but no, they'll handball to somebody behind them or sideways and then, uh, it'll either go to their feet or over their head. Or, um, seriously, the art of handball, it isn't that bloody hard. It's not hard to do a handball. The, these, these blokes are professional footballers. I went to a book signing today for, uh, that was for Eddie Betts, uh, which was great, and Eddie was fantastic with the kids. Um, and he said himself, you know, the kids around him sort of lifted him up because he was feeling pretty down etc etc but someone asked him uh you know what a typical week of an afl footballer looked like and he described the amount of time that he spent at the club and it was uh, you know a reasonably large amount of time and then they go out on the weekend and they can't execute basic skills now what are you doing for uh, what seemed to me to be about 35 to 40 hours a week at the club, what are you doing in 40 hours a week that means that you still can't hit a bloke on the chest with a 5 or 10 metre handball? What are you doing? Yeah, it's, and I think we're the worst in the competition at it. I think uh, overall in uh, AFL, it's been a little bit of a, a plague that's come into the game that uh, people are sloppy with their handballs than they used to be. Uh, but we are the, I think we are the worst that I've seen. And uh, the other thing too, if you, and I know I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but we had so many players shut off. And if you look at their stats, you'll see that when we go through them. Um, it was, so there were some genuine tries in the second half thing, but they, they had, had so many that weren't that, as I said, it became embarrassing and humiliating and, uh, Unfortunately, they, they say the half that don't try carry the other half with them. Yep. All right. Well, look, let's go through some uh, head-to-head stats and uh, see what they've got to tell us, if anything. Uh, they do tell a story. They do. Well, first of all, they tell the story that we couldn't get hold of the ball. Uh, Port Adelaide, 450 disposals to Adelaide, 339. Um, both teams going at a similar kick-to-handle ratio. We just couldn't get a hold of it. Marks 83 to 136, if you don't mind. That's a 53-mark difference, yes. Maka. 53-mark difference. And what's the contributing factor to that? For the second week in a row, we got slaughtered, slaughtered.
slaughtered on the outside. Now, two weeks yeah. ago when we were playing Glen, uh, Geelong, I said to Cam, we've got to win uncontested possession by 100 in order to win. And it kind of scoffed because 100 is a big stat. Port Adelaide beat Adelaide 303 uncontested possessions to 199. That's 104 uncontested possessions different. 104. Contested, contested possession. No, but see, the thing is, Mac, contested possessions... 133 to 135. We, we were, we, it's indicative of our, the makeup of our team at the moment. We've got blokes who will get in, go in and try and get the agate, but they've got no one to give it to. <laughs> no one to give it to. Anyway, uh, tackles 48 to 54. Considering we were on the end of a pantsing, our tackle count should have been up around the 60. Um, I thought Riley O'Brien got beaten by Lysett. Um, 42. Forty-two to thirty-one. I actually thought Lysett was best on ground for them. Uh, I th- thought it was an excellent effort from him, particularly after he got that little knock to the uh, knock to the knee. Um, Had a huge influence, didn't he? Absolutely. Uh, Riley O'Brien was ineff- ineffective uh, at his main key performance indicator, which was hitouts uh, and hitouts to advantage. Uh, Lysett gave them first use quite often. Um, Clearances, 27-45. We got absolutely slaughtered in clearances, and I think Lysett was a big part of that. You've got to remember that Travis Boak, who's been their main guy in their engine room, withdrew before the game. Power Pepper comes in, you know, off on, on five minutes' notice, uh, and not only does he have a good game, but they've, they've lost their number one guy. Uh, massive. Uh, they win clearances 45-27. to 27. Uh, rebound. Yeah, that is disgraceful. I thought there was an area we, we should win the game. Well, you know, that's going on. one of our KPIs. That, yep. It's integral to our to our game plan. Win clearances, win ground ball, um, and play the game on our terms. Uh, rebound 50 is obviously irrelevant because the ball was in our back half so much that uh, uh, we had to win that stat. Inside 50 is 42 to 66, and I think it was like 19 to 40 after half time, something like that. Well, inside 50, no, we had 13. 13 after half-time, yeah, to 40 yeah. or something or other. Uh, it was just ridiculous. Um, just, we didn't, we, we lost, as I said, we ran out of ideas, Mac. Um, what else we got? Marks inside 50, obviously we can't take a grab inside 50, seven marks to 11. Um, uh, what else have we got? Um as mentioned, the, the clearance count, uh, to break it down, 7 to 15 in the centre stoppages uh, and 20 to 30 in the around-the-ground stuff. Um, so, I mean, and tackles inside 50. Again, five five tackles in a game of football inside 50, Macca. Five, yeah, five tackles. Effort, isn't it? Well, and we, we hardly got the ball inside our forward 50 and yet Port Adelaide laid 17 tackles inside their own forward 50 when they had the ball so even though they were running it in with ease they still had enough presence uh, and enough endeavor to lay 17 inside 50 tackles uh, that second half effort of lack of effort of ours um, reminded me so much of uh, Gold Coast at their worst and Carlton at their worst where there's nothing there's just absolutely nothing there it's a hollow that uh, and yet this is being done not by um, uh, Collingwood or not being done by uh, the top teams. This is being done by Port Adelaide who are 
uh, I think outside they were actually outside the eight before the game even started. So it, but, it, it was a disgraceful performance. Not not only is it against Port Adelaide, but we were playing for a, for a, uh, a spot in the top four. It's not, we're not like Carlton who've been down the bottom for years and who you could excuse for lacking a little bit of spirit at times. We were playing to cement our position in the, in the top half of the competition and to set ourselves up for a top four spot. So not only are we playing the Crosstown rival, but we've got a real chance to, to start kick off a run to September with a solid win against 50,000 of our own supporters, right? And... We don't seem to have the endeavour or the desire or the willingness to uh, do the hard work um, under those circumstances. So it's not like Carlton. You know, if we were 15th, I could I could say, yeah, it's like Carlton. It's not like Carlton at all. What other team, well, obviously Fremantle, but what other team dishes up that sort of slop when they're in such a position on the table as we are? Um, I can't think of one, certainly not this season. And uh, if there was, it would be a long time ago. No, that was that was uh, one of the worst football performances by uh, a football team that I've seen. Because when you take into account that, as you say, we got a goal in the first thirty seconds of the third quarter, and then blew another shot within seconds of that. Uh, after that, it was nothingness. It was just a void. We didn't kick nothing. a goal for sixty minutes of football, Macca. Never threatened to kick a goal. No, hardly, hardly got or well, got it up forward. Would you say thirteen times after half time? Yep. So in sixty minutes of football, a professional football club with a with a ninety percent healthy list, um, contending for a top four position, can only get the ball in their forward line thirteen times, and not kick a goal. What? Yeah. You can't you can't say that that's anything less than attitude. It's not talent. It's attitude. It's not ability. It's I mean, we've we, we've got holes in our in our list, and we've got uh, we lack a little bit of class. But we've beaten teams like GWS this year. We've beaten you know good teams. We have the ability to be able to kick goals, not necessarily win games, but kick goals in a half of football. So to be shut out like that in the second half, that's that's attitude, and that's the worrying thing from my perspective. That's attitude. Well, you know, you're going right back to something you said right a long time ago after your meeting with Fagan. Look, I, I'm i in the same camp as you. I think we're actually an extremely well-run football club. I think we've got... Uh, and I know that there's been lots of uh, criticism of Chapman and et cetera, et cetera. But I think that on an administration basis, on a financial basis... Uh, on um, getting other in sources of income basis. Uh, we're very, very good. We've uh, paid off all of our debt on the building that we built down at West Lakes and are looking elsewhere. And I have no criticism of the club on that score whatsoever. But that's not what we're really about. We're all about playing football. And from the point of view, we start at the head with the football department starts with Burton and my comments on Burton are very, very well documented, and uh, and I think it flows down from there. And I think that Pike is to some degree a victim of the assistant coaching team that he's got, and uh, I, I don't think he's got any wise advisors. Giving Camparelli's supposed to be his advisor. Um, well, I mean, somebody like a Fagan is 
a brilliant advisor who could become a coach. And we don't have that sort of capacity. So our game plans are always, I think, always going to be flawed thing. And I think we've got a flawed game plan. Uh, we don't have the ability to pull it off against the top sides for 120 minutes. Um, and look, somebody said there, Pike doesn't even do much, and he doesn't seem to do much. But I'm sure that Pike has got standards that he wants and things that he wants done, and they're not being done. So, he's <laughs> up on Burton. Yeah. Look, I, I don't, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't disagree with you, Mac. Um, and it's funny that you know, I'm, I'm not down on individuals for for effort. Brent saying, you know, Brent was saying before that you know, blokes don't care, and he's into Pike a bit. Pike doesn't even do much. Well, I mean, that's ridiculous because obviously Don Pike does probably works harder than anyone else at the club. You know, and it's not just the coaching. He's going around talking to potential recruits. He's, you know, doing a whole bunch of stuff, match review, the whole stuff, as well as coaching. It, this is not down to a lack of effort by the coaching and administration staff. This is not down to that. What I've been worried about for a while and what occurs to me after having, uh, you know, had conversations with people at the club and watching what we've dished up at times is that there is not enough tension within the club to, and I don't mean negative tension, what I mean is that positive tension that drives results, right? Mm, so there's not enough competition, there's not enough... Uh, uh, tension's the only word that I can use to drive that extra 10%. We've, we've got good people that want to do well, they work hard, but are, but are they the right people? Well, who knows? Because I don't think it's te- that I don't think that is tested often enough and rigorously en- enough, you know. So, um, and I think it's the same with the playing group. We don't we don't test our blokes enough. We've got Chase Jones, we've got Darcy Fogarty, we've got Ben Davis, we've got Elliot Himmelberg. Now, tell me, tell me, and we'll get into individual stats in a minute. But tell me this. Macca, I, I said to Cam on, on the rev up, I would be smoking dark if Josh Jenkins turned up and did as usual, I'm still a bit sore from my injury so I won't actually play a decent game of football. What was the Could point? Never been selected. Should, what was the point selected. in dropping Elliot Himmelberg, who tries his guts out, kicked three goals four in the sample today, um, who can ruck? What is the point of dropping Elliot for Josh Jenkins who, great, you know, recovered from his from his hyperextension. That's really good. But we know, history will tell you that Josh doesn't play well with a bit of pain or coming back from injury, and he can do with a run in the twos. What was it? If we know it, like there's been post after post on Big Footy about, you know, we know that Josh doesn't play well after injury. If we know it, Macca, surely the coaches know it. Surely that is part of his review oh Josh you don't seem to play very well after injury you know so we're going to ease you back through the twos have run the twos we've got Elliot he's 100% fit you know blah 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 why do we do well, these com- things yeah common sense said that Jenkins should have played in the twos uh, proven that he's up to playing back at the AFL after his injury because it was, it was supposed to be a very severe injury and didn't turn out to be not quite as severe but still it's one that he hadn't played for at least three uh, he missed three matches, and I think that makes it four weeks he hadn't played. So he, he's got to get a little bit of match form. And 
Well, when he was up forward, he just spent his uh, he reverted back to where he normally is, standing behind his player. Um, yep. Put a little bit more effort in when he went into ruck, but um, nothing that we wouldn't have got out of uh, young Himmelberg. And, and that's uh, my point. That's my point. Uh, there's not enough tension. Josh recovered and walked straight back into the team. Not enough tension for us for that for that spot. Poor old Ben Davis gets selected. For the hardest game of the year, if you're a Crows player, Geelong at Geelong, right? Yes. Hardest game of the year. Not, Wrong I'm game. not saying Wrong the game. most physical, but the, the most difficult game for a Crows team to win, as history tells you, probably the wrong game. But fair enough, they picked him. Great. Lynch isn't even coming back in, and they drop him. Why, Macca? Why did they drop Ben Davis for... No, for no Tom Lynch, considering well, that was yeah. a like for like, and because they would have judged him on his performance in that game against Geelong, which was, as I said, the wrong game to bring him into, because he he was very unfortunate. Every time the ball came to him, he was never in the clear. He was always given the ball when he had somebody just about to swoop on him, and, uh, and so therefore he became virtually ineffective for the game. And look, as somebody said, he got dropped for McKay, and I think McKay. Look, there's one thing about McKay. He's not a star, but he does try, and he's but done that the, a little bit. No, of- but no, I'm done with that. I'm done with that shit, Macca, because it doesn't matter that David McKay tries. He is not part of a winning 22. So well, thank you're you. Talking about, uh, premierships, you're quite, you're quite right. Thank you, David. You've been an excellent player. You've tried your guts out. Your body isn't made for AFL, but you've you've wrung every last skerrick out of it. But we are moving forward, and therefore you will not play unless we need you because of injury. You know, why, why, why does a kid like Ben Davis, who's been developing his game for three years, no other club keeps their players on like we do for such a long period of time, finally gets his debut against a hard, mature team like Geelong at Geelong, tries his guts out but gets a bit thrown around, and then gets dropped for David yeah. McKay, who is not part of our next premiership. No, well, look, I, I still don't think that's the greatest. Uh, look, David McKay, I agree, is not part of our future for, for the long term. Um, but I don't think that Ben Davis was going to do very much in this game anyhow. You don't the, know, Macca. That's the point. You don't know. I would you bring don't him in know a because game to play. no, but you don't know, Mac. You know Confidence that was his that team. was his first game in against Geelong, so he's had a taste for it. He's got a taste of the speed. He's got a taste of the physicality. He knows what to expect, right? You don't know what he would have done in this, in his second game up, because no one ever tries it. That's the point, Macca. The point Look, is they put I, these players in and they don't give them a run. I'm not against Ben Davis getting a run, but I still think uh, the kid was crucified by bringing him in against Geelong in the first place. Wrong game, wrong game, wrong game to bring him in for. And after what happened in that game, I think it might have been against his again his against his confidence again this week in a in a showdown after that particular performance. Oh, rubbish. I, I, I want to see, I want rubbish. to see the kid play again, but I want to see him play when when look like will at least, well, we'll rubbish maker. But Macca, it's absolute rubbish because you're talking about something that you don't know, right? Unless we test guys in this... It's theory. Yeah, but the theory is... 
stuff theory. We've got blokes running around in the twos like Patrick Wilson, who gets he, he'll probably win a bloody McGarry this year, Patrick Wilson, and he cannot get a sniff because but we play. Yeah, he should, mate. But he should. Mm. Yeah, but we we play, and this is the thing: we play him for a game or two. We play him out of position. We don't give him a reasonable run, and then we discard him. You know, Ben Davis is the same. You you don't bring a kid in for one game and drop him, especially when you've got blokes like Richard Douglas who are running around like headless chooks who've had their chance, who've had their, their time, who've had their opportunities to bring a premiership to our club and have failed. So well, I'm in that camp. I agree been, with that. I totally agree with that. So it's Ben's turn now. It's Ben's turn now, right? And if it takes him one, three, five games to get it, get up to speed, he deserves one, three or five games to get up to speed because he's just spent three years toiling in the twos to develop his game. The only way Ben Davis comes out is if Tommy Lynch comes in because that's the spot that he's playing. Otherwise, why doesn't he play? Well, I think that you make a very, very good argument in terms of the principle of what you're saying, and I, and I can't argue against the principle of what you're saying. Uh, I just thought that um, we gave him a... I thought the wrong baptism of fire in the second, in the first place, and, and I didn't want to compound it again. But look... You but you have compounded right. it by dropping him, right? That's actually the worst thing you could do. You could bring him in for the wrong game, he, get, he gets thrown about a bit, but then you actually compound it by dropping the kid. If you, if you want enough. to kill the kid's confidence, you actually acknowledge that he wasn't up to it by dropping him the next week rather than backing him in and going, all right, well, you now you know what it's like. Now you know what you need to do. We might as well brought him in, so you're right. You know, the other one is, uh, and I've already mentioned his name, Richard Douglas. Shouldn't you know, be there. Now, at least with David McKay, when he comes in, it gives you effort. Right, he's not the best AFL player going around, but he gives you effort. He puts his yep. body in. He tries hard. He runs, etc., etc., etc. Richard Douglas, he's just wasting a, a spot on the on the on the page. He's he's a wasted magnet, and I don't actually know what Dougie has been selected for. What what is his role? Is he a defensive oh. forward? No, I don't think so. Is he a lead up forward? No, I don't think so. Is he running through the middle? No, I don't think so. So. Is he hitting the scoreboard? No, I don't think so. So what is he actually doing? Why is he there? Shouldn't be there. And, and look, Chase Jones should be there. And Matt raises a really good point in the chat. Dougie, in the twilight of his career, as all of a sudden, he's in the leadership group. You know, we've got Texan Sloan <laughs> and Lynch. Texan Sloan well, so and I JJ think Lynch. as well. So is JJ. Yeah, but at least JJ is still in the prime of his career, right? Why is Richard Douglas in there instead of a young up and coming lad that we like a Tom Duday or you know someone like that or a Bradley Crouch? You know, why Richard Douglas? Well, from my point of view, um, I'm in the same camp as you and Richard Douglas. Um, he's he's not to me, he's he's uh, good days are gone, and we've got this uh. Remainder that's not very good and doesn't contribute a lot, and I can't see. He doesn't look like a leader to me. But, uh, I, he would be on my side, and as I said, uh, we should be taking a lesson from other clubs. and uh, And you, you're probably right about Dave's because then if I, I, if I uh, 
stick to the principle of what I'm saying, you would feed in a couple of young blokes every game just to make sure that they got the experience to play at that level. Well, you know, in terms of Dougie, we've got a kid called Chase Jones who we selected first round. Um, he came in and he showed a bit. You know, he's he's young and he's light, and he you know, but he stays over the ball and he, and he's prepared to dish out a hit and take a hit. He got injured, concussion, and gets and gets omitted as a result of an injury. It wasn't even on the back of form, Macker. It was on injury. Correct. Correct. And now he can't get back in the team. You know, well, meanwhile, yeah, cool. meanwhile, Port Adelaide have got a kid called Connor Rosie running around, who we decided wasn't good enough to trade up aggressively to get, and they've put you know sixteen games into the kid, and he looks like he's been playing AFL football for five years. Possibly going to be the best player out of that draft. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, we haven't seen Isaac Rankin yet because of his injuries and all the rest of it. Lukosius is obviously going to take a... It's a bit more of a slow burn. Um, you know, Sam Walsh has been good, but I reckon in terms of dynamic ability, uh, Connor Rosie is right up there. But that being said, we chose, rather than to trade up to get Connor Rosie, we chose to hold fast and pick Chase Jones. Chase Jones was above Connor Rosie in our in our estimations because we could have traded up to get Connor Rosie if we wanted to. And, and don't don't let anyone at the club tell you otherwise. We had enough uh, um, currency that if we wanted to trade up for Connor Rosie, we could have traded up for Connor Rosie. We chose not to, so therefore Chase Jones was our choice. Having made that choice, why aren't we playing him, Macca? Well, why aren't we playing him? We should be playing him. And when we were talking before about what area of the, of the club he lets us down, it is the football department because prior to the beginning of the season, Port outsmarted us. I mean, they got rid of a, a liability of bloody Wingard and Brian Burton played a beautiful game on the weekend. Um, so they've turned him into... Uh, they've turned Wingard into Burton, plus uh, uh, they've got a pick... Uh, from uh, Hawthorne that went part of the way in getting Connor Rosie. So we got outsmarted by Port Adelaide. We got and, pants by Port Adelaide at the draft. We yeah, got pants yes. by them. And, and, and pre, But pre the draft, pre the draft we got pants. Yeah. And this, this comes back where you've got Burton's in charge of uh, a Reed, and they're the guys that are, that are responsible for that. And uh, they, yeah, they got done by Port Adelaide like a dinner. Yeah. Look, and it's some would say it's easy in hindsight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, you've that comes down to the quality of the individuals in your team, uh, in in your recruiting team, and all the rest of it. And like I watched enough SANFL last year to know that Connor Rosie was going to be a gem. And if I can, I, yeah. if I can see it, surely blokes whose job it is can see it. Um, we already knew we were going to. We're not going to be able to get Lacocious or Rankin. So Rosie was the one, um, and we didn't fire a shot. Anyway, um, my my point is more so that our number one draft pick for the last two years, Darcy Fogarty and Chase Jones, cannot get a run in this team. Um, In this team that is lacking forward marking strength and is lacking classy, quick midfielders. Our two first-choice draft picks in the last two seasons, cannot get a run in this team, Macca. What does that tell you? 
It tells you, tells you exactly what we're saying. They don't give the right opportunities and, and to these young lads. And uh, the, the teams that have success, they do play a couple of uh, uh, youngsters uh, and let them, even though they might not be uh, fully performing, they will gradually increase their output game by game by game until they get to the stage where they'll become not only uh, paying their way, but will ultimately become dominant players. Yeah. So, all right. I'm sure this is going to be continued on Tuesday night with Pete and uh, Donkey, etc. Um, but uh, let's look at some individual stats, shall we? And it was the usual suspects up top. Matty Crouch, who I thought was one of the few who did continue to try um, during the course of the game, ended up with 29 touches, but 11 kicks, 18 handballs. Um, only one mark, only three tackles. Um, our tackle count is horrific. Three inside 50s, four clearances. Um, he went a good disposal efficiency, but only had 10 contested possessions um, and four score involvement. So whilst Matt did a lot of cold face work, um, it didn't amount to much. No, I must admit, I did think, though, that at least, as you said, he was one of the few that did give a second hard effort, as did his brother. His brother Brad, but Brad was very wasteful with the ball. Um, Brad was shit. So, okay. Oh, he, he was, no, no, anyway, I'm, let's not get caught up with I'm that. comparing that's... him to the rest of the team. <laughs> I am comparing him to the rest of the team. And it's a, a comparative basis, but um, no, Matt was the better of the two by far. I agree. Mm. Uh, Brody Smith, um, 25 touches, 19 and 6, 4 marks. Only two tackles, six inside 50s, though, and seven rebound 50s. So it was working the lines pretty well, Brody. Um, only the seven contested possessions. Do you know we only had one, two, three, four players, four players, Macca, four players above in double, 50, uh, double figure contested possessions. But then you look at the, uh, at the Port team, they only had two players that had double-figure contested possessions, Gray and Ollie Wines. Does that maybe tell you that they had blokes designated to go in and get the agate and left everyone else outside? We what had, tell you that? We had Crouch. <laughs> uh, of our midfield, we had Crouch, Sloan, uh, Riley O'Brien and Hugh Greenwood all in double-figure contested possessions. And, and Port still beat us in that stat. Uh Port had Gray and Wines getting 30 contested possessions between them. Is that What does that tell you? That tells you that they kept they just corralled the contest and kept, kept players on the outside ready to run. And that's exactly what happened, of course, and uh, they just kept I was screaming at the TV, for God's sake, get somebody out there, stand them. Yeah. Look, I thought for as much as Brodie Smith accumulated stats, I didn't think he was that useful during the game. Wasted it a lot. Did waste uh, it a lot. I didn't, I didn't feel like he was, um, you know, being creative with the ball. I didn't feel like as someone who was running, uh, he started up forward, but he went down back after half time. I think, and I don't think he was doing that much to try and set up plays or anything. He's an experienced player, should be able to do that. Roy Laird's another one, 25 touches, 15 and 10, six marks, three tackles only. Uh, two inside 50s, five rebound 50s, uh, only the nine contested touches, um, gained like 10 intercepts. But 
again, can you remember a play that, that occurred that Rory Laird started by being aggressive or decisive with 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 um with the ball? Um, I think there was one actually. Fine. Um, I can't. Um, anyway, I, I remember him uh, doing a bit of a dash, and uh, probably came to nothing. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but I mean, he he did have a, did have one try at it, but the rest yeah. of it was all the dinky oh. safe stuff. Yeah. The, yeah. All right. Uh, Sloaney, I thought, tried hard, but we're saying that a lot about uh, Rory Sloan lately. Well beaten until the last quarter. He came into it a lot in the last quarter. Yeah. We seem to be saying quite regularly, Rory tried hard. And that's not, the, pl- that's not the player that we'd signed no. on to a long-term contract. No. Rory, Rory Sloan, back a few years ago, was the bloke who was running on the outside, streaming into goal, kicking goals from 50 metres. You know, he was a gut-running midfielder that that would that had a bit of pace and um, was, even though he'd never shirk a contest, he was far more outside than what he is now. And I feel like we're losing value for Rory because we're using him too much inside. Um, 14 and 9 for 23, four marks, four tackles. Um, uh, second highest tackle count, although four isn't high. Uh, five clearances. Um 11 contested possessions, only went at 56.5% disposal efficiency, so only 13 effective disposals in that. Um, only 263 metres gains. And see, that's that's the stat with Sloaney. I'm sure that we used to get more value for, for possession from Sloaney um, than we do now. He's spending far too much time inside, in my opinion. We've got enough inside ball carriers. I, I wish they'd play Rory on a wing. You know, I 100% why, agree with you on that. Why wouldn't you play Sloaney on a wing and let him gut run the hell out of whoever he's playing on up and down that wing? Because we're just he's just getting beaten up. He's not good on the tag. Um, you know, his efficiency and his effectiveness diminishes when he's played uh, close. Free him up. Get him on the outside. We've got enough inside ball winners. Get get him on the outside, for God's sake. Um, I think a very good suggestion, Fee. Yeah, Brad Crouch. I'm I'm just I'm sorry. I've tried, but I'm not a fan. I, I've held my held my uh, my mouth. I held my tongue on Brad for the last month and had a look, and he had a couple of big disposal games, and that was all great. But Brad Crouch is not a good player under pressure. Um, his disposal is just average. Um, he is not the silk in our midfield uh, that we thought he might be. He's not a smooth mover with a ball. He's not a classy disposal uh, a disposer with the ball. Um, he does hit the scoreboard occasionally. and that's. I'm not saying he's a bad player, Macca, but he's not the silk. And I agree with that. at the no, moment, we don't have silk. 14 and 9 for 23, five marks, five tackles, six inside Unfortunately, 50s. Uh, he's not the silk, but the, the two crouches are the best we've got. Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about uh, where we go forward and uh, we need... I know, we need, we need better. Well, you know, I mean, these are all conversations for Tuesday Night Live, but we never, we never replace Patrick. No. You know, Patrick left and left a big hole in our team and we never replaced him. And the thing that gets me, Macca, is that we we drafted a kid called Wayne Miller who could be Silk 
and who is quick and agile and uses the ball well and hits the scoreboard and plays tall, we don't play him in the midfield. I know. We don't play him in the midfield because we don't trust our kids. That's the point. It keeps coming back to this point, Mac. We don't trust our kids. We don't mind them doing the hard yards. We don't mind chucking Huey in to get 14 contested possessions and, you know, a bunch of clearances because that's the easy stuff. You know, that's just hard work. That's not uh, class or silk or anything like that. But we don't trust these young kids who we draft because they're the best. We don't trust them to be our point guards. We don't trust them to be our, our run and carry blokes. You know, well, we, you're quite right. By now, Miller should be, um, and he's got he's got massive ability. He he should be our, our star player by now. And it's just just the way that we don't develop our and don't use our uh, draft picks correctly. And um, we said that about Fogarty. I mean, we've managed to turn a. Uh, everybody thought we stole him at pick twelve, and he came in in the first year and looked like a real player. And then um, by a second year, we managed to destroy his confidence playing in the back line and. And with Miller, as, as and now he's playing like shit, Fogs. Because yeah, he, I mean, I, I think he played okay on the weekend, but it's taken him a while. And you're right, we just burn these kids. Yep, we just burn these kids. You know, um, bring them in, trust them, and support them, and let them build their game yeah. up. Well, and here we go. Riley O'Brien is a, is an absolute standout for that argument right because we've had source jacobs running around source jacobs could be like the black knight in monty python's holy ground have no arms and no legs and over the last <laughs> four or five seasons we'd still bloody play him because source we got i was only a flesh wound right meanwhile <laughs> yep. meanwhile riley riley o'brien's just running around in the twos right and so when he finally gets picked we all think oh it's not up to it blah 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 and within a month he's keeping source out of the team that's what happens when you trust a young lad. And all right, he got touched up by a very good Ruckman on the weekend. But Riley O'Brien is the is the, an example of what happens when you give a kid a run of games and back him in. And the well, only time we do that, the only time we do that is when we're forced to do it. Well, he did get beaten by Lyson on the weekend, and uh, uh, but not by a, a, a massive margin. But he, was, he hasn't played 20 games of football yet. No. You've got to remember that. He hasn't That's played right. 20 games of football. And his performances have been outstanding for well, a he kid. Well, smashed, he smashed, um, what's his name, from GWS, Mumford. Yep, killed him, absolutely. killed him, made him look second rate. Right. No, so the, the, point, the point of view of what you're saying, you're 100% right. The more he plays, just the better and better he's going to get. And, okay, Lysett's... Uh, was in that very same position, and Natanui getting hurt last year enabled him to really develop his game, uh, likes it. Um, and he's he's got a lot more experience, and he's got many many years of playing at this level. And that's how Riley uh, learns. That's how absolutely. that's how he learns by playing against good players. Absolutely. You know, he doesn't learn by playing against you know the the big monsters in the SANFL. He's not learning a thing. From that, if you do a graph of what his performances are like, you can they've been rising sharp because the guy's learning every as he goes around every time. And, and look, he's he's going to be a very very good ruckman long term, very good. Yeah. So you know he he's the example. You know he had twenty disposals, Riley O'Brien, um, five marks, twenty seven hitouts. I thought he got beaten in that aspect, but he he but delivers 
he delivers in other areas, you know, four tackles, uh, six clearances, or no, sorry, three clearances. But the kid had 12 contested possessions. Um, it took a contested mark. In fact, I thought he, overhead he was quite good. Um, you know, a, a few intercepts. For Ruckman, a, a, a perfectly, for a, for a 10 game Ruckman, an excellent game under the circumstances and he's got to learn to deal with those really big physical um, athletic types like Lysett a bit better um, but that'll come so uh, but you I, I will almost guarantee you that Sauce Jacobs is in next week I'd almost put put your money on it Macca well, no, you're not using mine well, I'll put your letterbox on it um, alright that's gone <laughs> Huey Greenwood is starting to annoy me because he's not He's just not He's involved. Traded, isn't he? Yeah, I think, I, and I think this is why they've held off. Um, I said about a month ago that I felt like we were seeing Hugh's ceiling. Um, I'm smelling a trade here. Uh, yeah, um, only 18 touches, nine and nine, only two marks, one goal, one, five tackles, five clearances, um, 14 contested possessions, uh, but he only gained us 91 meters, Macca. For those possessions, ninety-one meters for the game. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing with Huey is we've got to work out how we want to play him. Do we want to play him as a third, as a third, um, a third tall up forward, which I think he would be capable of playing, or do we want to play him as an inside midfielder um, and clear Matt and Brad out and Sloney out and have Cam and uh, and Huey as our coalface players, I think he could do that as well. But at the moment, we're, it's a kind of a bit of both. Yeah, well, he's one, neither one thing or the other at the moment. No, because, again, he's being asked to be a bit of both. You know, he can take a mark, he can kick a goal. He also is exceptional inside in terms of getting his hands free. Um, but we're not playing... We're not giving him enough... Minutes in either role for him to cement, and I, I think I think we've got to decide what we want Hugh to be. Uh, that is, if we haven't decided already that we're going to put him on the trade table, I, I'd be disappointed I'm, if we put him on the trade table. I'm smelling that we are though. Oh, I think so too. I think so too. I think he's dead set on the trade table. Uh, Rory Atkins did nothing. Eleven and six for seventeen. Five marks. Uh, one tackle. Someone must have fallen into him again. Four rebound fifties, um, six contested possessions. Went at seventy percent disposal, which is not good enough for a bloke who doesn't take it unless he's got five meters of space around him. Uh, tellingly, for our outside uh, golden boot, uh, only one hundred and seventy-eight meters gained for our wingman. Only one hundred and seventy-eight meters gained, Macca, for yeah, our wingman. Position in the last quarter. But, yeah, did really well. Uh, I thought it was terrible, but it, I mean he had tons of mates. Uh, Jake Kelly, I thought tried hard, but he's one-dimensional. Uh, he's good uh, one-on-one. Yeah, but got a tick from me. I thought that at least he held his own. Yeah, well, definitely not not our worst. Um, you, you get what you get, and he had fifteen kicks, uh, took eight marks. So probably I would say almost our best defender, Mac. Almost mm, our best very defender. Very close to it. Mm. Yep. Uh, Miller um, started brightly and faded. Um, yep. Again, why, why did he start up forward? I don't know. Uh, 10 and 5 for 15, took four marks, kicked one goal, three. 
um, had a few clearances, uh, only six contested possessions, but burnt the ball terribly. Burnt it terribly. Forty percent disposal back to, efficiency. Comes back to what I was saying before, though. I mean, seriously, Miller generally is a very, very good kick and can, you know, very good with his foot passing, etc. Why is it that they just shit themselves when they have a shot for goal? And uh, I mean, he he missed two set shots from about thirty-five meters out, and yeah. that should be just bread and butter for a, a kid that's got the talent that he's got. Yeah, um, Wayne Miller was our leading marks inside fifty, Mac. Yeah, I believe you because he, he did, I can remember him taking about three or four. Josh, Josh Jenkins, the, what is he, 198-centimetre behemoth. He was terrible. Didn't take a mark inside 50 and it only took one contested mark for the game. Uh, Tex Walker, our captain, um, only took one mark inside 50 and one contested mark for the game. Uh, Wayne Miller, our, how many games he played? 40-odd games. Uh, Wiry, sort of... Midfielder took two contested marks and four marks inside fifty for the game. Yeah, there you go. Um, Talia, I thought was pretty average. Um, uh, right. He, I thought he did wrong. a good job under under difficult conditions in the sense that, to me, I reckon he's playing a little bit injured, thing because oh. he looks like, when he's running, he looks like he's got an egg up his ass. No, I mean, but we, we say that about Daniel. And yet there's been a couple of games. He's had a weird year because he's had a couple of games where he's looked really good and really free in movement. Um, but you're right. There's other times where he looks like an old man. Um, and he's not that old. He's only, you know, late 20s. So, um, yeah, he, did, he wasn't moving freely. And, uh, and I think he went off and had some treatment as well. But um, what did Dixie get? Just the one goal? Um, Charlie got two goals, one. Oh, no, sorry, one goal, one. Charlie was mm-hmm. woeful when he had four four disposals, two marks. Hardly got involved, yeah. Charlie Dixon. But to some degree, at least Charlie bustled and punched. And I don't and, think. Uh, I think Hardigan was on Dixon for half the night. Anyway, well, I'm um, not sure what Hardigan was doing actually. Well, probably as much as the rest of them. Uh, D Mac didn't do enough to justify his selection. Only the fourteen touches, four marks, uh, three inside fifties, um, three contested possessions. Uh, two eighty-one meters game. That's that's not enough to justify him coming in over a Chase Jones or a, even a even a, a, a Ben Davis or or to debut another young lad like Shoal or someone like that. Fair enough. Not enough. I'd like to see Shoal get a game. Yeah. Uh, Lukey Brown was pretty quiet. I thought Kyle Hardigan was uh, tried hard. I thought, but was pretty quiet. Douglas was hopeless. Eleven touches. Richard Douglas, 11 touches. Not enough to justify his selection. Uh, no. Josh Jenkins shouldn't have been selected. Obviously, might have trained well, but any bloke with half a brain who's watched Josh play for the last four years knows that he doesn't come back well off a spell, especially when he's been injured. So you just don't play him. And that was just stupidity. Stupidity, Macca, to bring him in. Stupidity. Yeah, it was stupidity, absolutely. Absolutely. And they've got to they've got to take the rap for that. Absolutely. As I said, if everyone on 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 Big Footy and on these podcasts and what if, if we all know that that's one of Josh's traits that he takes a little while to come back from a spell after injury. I mean, we saw it earlier this year when he had the ankle. He was playing like you know some old lady. Um, you know, there comes a point. <laughs> Nicky will get you for that one. Oh, I don't care. There comes a point where. 
you know, the guy... you got yeah, to say right. it. Well, I mean, he just didn't play well, but he, he plays bruise-free when he's not feeling like playing. Alex Absolutely. Keith. Absolutely. Alex Keith. Um, uh, he's not getting enough support. Uh, teams have worked out how we're using Alex Keith, and unfortunately they're making him more accountable, and I, I felt like he struggled at times. Um, he copped the nasty blow. really did cop a very nasty blow. He's copped a couple in the last month, and I reckon Alex is starting to get a bit beaten up like in mm. terms of the season. Uh, I think he's he's starting to get a bit battered and bruised, Alex. He's um, a bit of a target too because he is he is uh at his, when you know when he's uh, allowed to be playing his game, he's he's our best defender. Yeah. Um I'll leave a couple to last. Uh Seeds was disappointing I I felt. We Shocking. Were, he was absolute pisser. He he was That's one it. of the blokes that was supposed to be one of our prime movers. Uh, he had a reasonable game against Geelong. You thought he was sort of getting back to that early season form before his injury. Yeah. Um, but he was no seven. Like, and this is the thing: we had Rory on one side, Seeds on the other, as well as um, um, you know Brody Smith. And we got nothing out of those three blokes. They're, they were our designated outside runners, along with Brad Crouch, and we got nothing out of them. And we certainly, certainly, certainly got nothing defensively out of the Macca because that's where we got torched. We got torched defensively. Well, in terms of the defence, of course, they just had waves coming. They are just absolute waves. Yeah, but our, our blokes weren't running off the spread at all, and that's, that's Seedsman and, and Atkins and Smith. And yeah, they are the, the guilty parties. Yeah. Uh, the Gooch got uh, a head knock, so it didn't take too what much What call did he go off, do you know? Um, I know he was missing by was, half time, but yeah, I think it was halfway through the second. It was halfway yeah, he hadn't been involved in it very much, but I didn't even see the instant where he yeah. got there. All right, now let's talk about these blokes. Uh, not that they're orphans, uh, Macca, but uh, Edward Betts. Edward Betts, I heard today say to a bunch of kids that he's got this year and next year in his contract, and then okay. depending on how his body goes, he might play for a couple more after that. So if uh, his int- if Eddie Betts's intention is to play three and a half more years of football, then he better pull his finger out because what he's dished up over the last month, apart from a couple of cameos, has been a bung average. And on form, he doesn't deserve to be in the team. No, just look. His form, I think, has been the overall for the this year has been well, well down. And there are many games where he really has put in poor performances. And uh, if his name wasn't Eddie Betts, I think he'd be dropped. Well, he should be dropped. Why, there's no reason why Eddie should be immune uh, at selection. We, and we've got a few small for Tyson Stengel's had a pretty good season. Played a few midfield minutes uh, over the last couple of weeks as well. Um, he, deserve, he deserves reward. And that's what we're not doing at the moment. We're not rewarding these kids. Um, and Tyson Stengel would be sitting there looking at Eddie in the ones, uh, stink it up, and not getting dropped and think, well, where's my next game coming from? You know, what does that do to a kid's confidence? Yeah, well, when you look at it, um, I think, you know, if you do the same things you, uh, you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. And if you look at our forward line, um, you've got Jenkins, who's not an overhead marker and uh, likes to hang behind the packs. Uh, you've got Tex Walker, who is has been a, in reasonably poor uh, form this year. 
Um, you've got Lynch not playing, so he, he, he's not there. Um, you've, you've got um, well, there's, there's nobody else who's, who's really making any effort to be a, a goal scoring forward. I mean, where are the goals going to come from? Well, that's exactly right, and that was one of the things that uh, Cam and I were talking about on the rev up uh, pre-game. Um, whilst we had confidence that Adelaide would find a way, when you actually looked at the teams uh, on paper, Port's defence was pretty solid, and, and we were sort of looking at each... And <laughs> I could see both our minds were sort of ticking over while we're doing the cars going, oh, it's, it's, it's actually not going to be easy for our forwards to kick goals. You know, where are the goals going to come from? Um, and as it turns well, out, they just didn't come. No, when you look at the, the structure, though, and, and we keep putting up the same structure. So uh, is it, we used to have McGovern in there and we used to have Charlie in there. We used to have somebody who could take the freak mark now and again, and then we had that blistering pace with Charlie. And uh, Those factors have gone, and we've got the remnants of that structure left, and it's not scoring. No, no, that's right. Um and Tex Walker's the other one. I know, I know that between Josh and Tex, they're not getting good service. I know that, but I'm just Taylor doesn't convince me anymore. And when he gets opportunities like he did with that second shot on goal uh, at the beginning be of the third, um, their shots that he like he has become lazy with his set shot kicking. Uh, over the last couple of years of his career because he used to be dead set uh, on on the set shot and now he's lazy, he, he's a bit uh, flamboyant with his with his uh, kicking action. Misses a lot to the right, Mac, because he's doing that little lazy hook around. Yep. And he needs to be able to nail those goals. And you've got more confidence with Tex ball in hand uh, up the ground to hit someone. Oh. Then yeah, you've actually yeah, got. Then you've actually got kicking for goal. Well, I don't mind him having so much when he's having a shot for goal from 50, 60 metres out. He tends to kick a lot better. But um, that shot that he missed—that was only from about 30, 40 metres out, and that should have been a bread and butter shot oh. too. Well, and he Just, completely fluffed it. Completely fluffed it. No, he just kicked it. Yeah, I mean, it only went about twenty metres off the off the ground the whole way through. Uh, uh, I. Uh, we haven't got a replacement for Tex at the moment, I don't think. Um, but I really worry about where Taylor's at um, because he hasn't offered us much. And again, he's the type of player where we're playing him out of the, we're playing him out of the square, Mac. But he's not really that kind of player, is he? Well, no. Actually, lately he's been leading up further up the ground, but. Um, uh Look, I, I just think the whole thing is wrong. We just, uh, we, as I said, we're playing the remnants of what was a good forward line, but it's not a good forward line now because it hasn't got the components that would that had the X factor. That's in. exactly right. We're missing two key components, and it makes us easy to play against, Mac. I yeah. mean, you, you take out Douglas and uh, Lockie Murphy, and you put in Charlie Cameron and, and Mitch McGovern. Which forward line would you story. prefer? Which forward line and put a fit Tommy Lynch in there leading up as well. It's no wonder we used to be potent, you know. Yes. But, again, we haven't tried to replace those players. 
you know, and that we comes have back a- to why I'm so dark about the Fogarty thing that you know, like he should have been right from the beginning of the season groomed to be in that side. Well, there, there's there's Fogarty. There's also Benny Davis who can take a grab. And in the small stakes, we've we've gone for defensive pressure, Lockie Murphy, who looks like he's applying a lot of defensive pressure, but he's actually not. Right, Lockie Murphy is is very good at looking frenetic, but <laughs> but he doesn't actually do a hell of a lot. He doesn't get a lot of value for all that energy that he uses. And I was a fan of Lockie's early in the year, but uh, we need more output from him. Um, he's not hitting the scoreboard, and his, his tackles inside or his tackle count. He had two ca- tackles for the game. Now, if he's in there as our defensive small forward, two tackles a game isn't enough. Um, uh, or he's got to be. Yeah, kicking four I goals. have to agree with you. I have to. Agree. There's, look, he's an honest little fellow, and um, there were times on the weekend when uh, the poor little blighter was the only bloke that was anywhere near yep. the forward line, and. They, yep. And they had big blokes all around him, and he did it, and they tried to kick it to him, and, but and Mac, that's quite pathetic. But, Macca, here's the thing, right? Because everyone's saying, oh, you know, the delivery into the forward line shit and all the rest of it. Okay, all right. And it's hard to tell when you're not at the game, and I, admittedly I haven't been to a game for a while. I've been watching on TV, and you get the close angle and all the rest of it. But, to my, and this might sound a bit old school, but where's the, where, where are the small blokes supposed to be in the forward line? Front and centre. That's right. So why is it that so often we see an Eddie Betts or a Lockie Murphy one out against two opponents? Why are they even there? Yeah, why are they there? You know, this. I know, I know we're talking about modern football, but the basic principles remain the same. You kick to your marking forwards and your crumbing forwards are at their feet. That, that's how the game is played. Right, that's basic Aussie rules football 101. And you've got your tall forwards, you've got your medium forwards, and then you've got your crumbing forwards. And the amount of times, the amount of times the bloke that is hitting up is Lockie Murphy or Eddie Betts is actually ridiculous. So there is something fundamentally wrong with our forward setup because if blokes can look up and they can't see a Josh Jenkins or a Taylor Walker or at a pinch a, a Tommy Lynch when he's playing or otherwise a Richard Douglas, who should be a medium size, or a Huey Greenwood when he's down there, if blokes can't see one of those blokes forward of centre, then the structure's wrong. We're not playing correctly. Well, you've got JJ who can't take an overhead mark and generally doesn't go up for them because he's behind the pack. And you've got Walker who, who generally... Uh, he doesn't. He can't take an overhead mark. Uh, yeah, but he took Mac, one two weeks ago. But that's about it. But Mac, and my point so, is, they're out of position. They're not. It's not even about what they do when the ball gets to them. The my point is, they're not in position. I know. I just don't know where they bloody well are because they, the ball comes there. They are nowhere, and there's plenty of opposition. I don't get it. Now I know Josh Jenkins is is, and I've observed this for ages that he's guilty of running to the wrong spots and he tends to run to the easy spots the fat side of the ground he doesn't run directly to the bloke with the ball as often as he should but where's Tex you know where's Douglas where's Hugh when he's playing forward where are these guys why are we kicking on Lockie Murphy's head instead of Lockie see what should be happening happening is Lockie Murphy should be leading up to create space behind him for one of the big fellas and the ball should be coming in over Lockie Murphy's head so he can turn around and crumb while the big fella goes up for the mark. 
It's basic football, Macca, isn't it? Well, it is. But the other thing too is that we've we have been notoriously poor at this now for some some period of time. Uh, we we don't spread as well as the opposition does. Uh, that's one thing. Port did magnificently. They spread so well that they just kept us so thin, which is why they burst through us so easily. Whereas we, uh, we're, we're nowhere. As you say, we, we have these patches where there's nobody at all. They're not spread all around the ground or, op- or different options around the forward line. There's either nobody or maybe three and a clump, something like that. But, you know, it's well, and, and you touched on what I wanted to finish off this little rant with, Mac, because it's our defensive work of our midfielders. The defensive work of our midfielders is actually... Um, I would say the worst in the bloody AFL because we don't have a bloke apart from maybe Rory Sloan we don't have a bloke who is either physically capable or mentally um, tuned in enough to run defensively he is the only one that does have the midfield Matt Crouch Matt Crouch too slow Brody Smith too offensive Rory Sloan does probably does more than most. Brad Crouch lazy. Uh, Huey Greenwood too slow. Rory Atkins a wet lettuce leaf. Uh, Wayne Miller does a little bit of defensive running. Um, that's it. Paul Seisman too slow. We are too slow. And if you have a look at the good sides, what you will have is you'll have always at least one player in the defence that can burst out of there with a lot of pace with a good kick. Um, I mean, Saad from Essendon is a classic example of where how that catches the, op- the, op- the opposition out. They, yeah. they, they sort them up at Gold Coast and they poached him down yeah. and uh, that's the type of player to, to bring into your back line. Uh, and in your centre line, you've got to have somebody... You can have the what type of honest toilers we've got as long as you've got a burst player and we don't have that burst player. And again, in the forward line, uh, when we had Charlie, we had that player that with the electric pace, but we don't have it now. So the, what we've got is lack of pace, lack of pace, lack of pace. Yep. Now, I think we did try to correct it to some degree at the last draft by taking uh, players with pace. Yeah, and then we don't play we them. Don't, then we don't play them. So <laughs> it just doesn't work. And um, so Jason, that's what we're crying out for. Yeah, Jason, Jason says that CUI chases. Well, he does, but he's not that quick either. No. Uh, he's more of a loping uh, runner. Uh, so, uh, you know, running mids can, can burn off uh, Cam pretty quick. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, like, the the question now is, and it's been the question has been this question since, oh, God, I don't know, maybe 2014, 2013, Macca. Do the... Do the administration at the Adelaide Football Club have the nuts to call time on this playing squad, on the on the seniors in this playing squad? Because well, that's that is a big question, isn't it? Because that's what ne- really needs to be happen to make a reset and work our way through the next couple of years, so that we can be a genuine chance for a flag. Well, we've got, we've got some grunt. I mean, let let's not blow the list apart because we do. There are some good parts. No, and frameworks there. And and. Matt and Brad, I don't want Matt and Brad Crouch to be traded out, but I don't want us to rely on them as our gilt-edged, um, you know, uh, um, centrepiece mids. And I don't want us to pay that way either. Brad Crouch doesn't deserve a top midfielder's salary. 
you know he doesn't deserve it he's not he's not it doesn't have that value to the team so we need uh some polish over our mid we need some speed and polish over our midfield and all of a sudden if you've got CY and and Hugh Greenwood if he stays as our coal face and Brad and Matt working the edges you know with a bit of class and speed working through there as well and move Sloney out to a wing where he can be far more damaging than a bloody Rory Atkins and with Brodie Smith on the other wing, all of a sudden you've got a much better midfield. You've got a more balanced midfield. So, But in yep. order to do that, we have to call time on a couple of blokes, don't we? Well, you, know, we you, to... you do, we do. And the, we're, what we have to do is we have to uh, move on the players that aren't going to get the job done and that are also slow as well. And, um, well, we... Unless Melbourne do a total collapse, we should get either we won't get draft pick one, but we should get draft pick two. Yeah, and, two the, yeah. and, and there are two guns there, so then we should be getting a gun for the midfield. So that's one young bloke, and we should play him every bloody week so he can you know really hold his own or become really damaging. But, but play him for God's sake, and we've got play Chase Jones and play Shoal and play McHenry, etc. And as you say, that means that you have to get rid of a few old favourites. Yeah, and and th- therein lies the rub. And I will finish up on this, I think, Mac, because we've been ranting now for an hour and a half. <laughs> we've, had, well, we're, we're, we've actually ranted to the point of exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think. I don't think we we'll get back all the way back to the beginning of the conversation. I don't think there's the impetus. I don't think there's the, any sort of catalyst within the side within the club to make those changes. Uh, the last time a big change was made, it took someone coming in from the outside. That was Mark Rashido, and, and he brought in Walshie and made some changes. But from within the club, from within the club, there's no, there's no catalyst for change. There's no change agent amongst them. I don't think it's anyone's job to challenge anyone else's job there. And it, I think that's the attitude of the club. That's the culture of the club. And as a consequence, I think that's the culture of the team. Um, it's certainly the culture of selection, because if it wasn't, we wouldn't be seeing D Mac and, and Richie and a couple of others get get selected. So, well, in, I don't see what's right, in summary, I don't see what's going to change. In summary, though, um, I think we're uh, a well-run football club, uh, other than the attention to detail in on the football field of the people. That uh, either on the field or or train them and get them ready for on the field. And I'm not I'm not necessarily able to go at Pikey, but I do think I'll have another crack at his assistants. So there are a couple of them. I don't think they're good. I don't think that we've uh, got the right guy in charge of football overall. I don't think I'm not sure whether we've got the right guy in Reed. He may or may not be. Uh, but the results show that we got outsmarted by Port. So I think that what you said is that. They fear change, and uh, but I think it's about time that they faced up to it and did it and get got it right and give the right people in the right place. And that also includes some of the old favourites in the football on on the field itself, not being played and young blokes being paid. Now there'll be a price for that; you will fall down the ladder, um, but so be it. Yep. I think there's a big culture down at the club of working hard and I don't doubt that anyone who's committed to the club are working extremely hard to get results. But who who at who is it at the club 
that is looking at all this, and this should be the this should be the board, right? This is where the board comes in, because somebody somewhere has got to be looking overseeing all these uh, decisions that are made in terms of internal appointments and whatnot, and being the catalyst for change. That bloke there, we thank you very much for your service, but you're not the right person for the job at this time. We're going to find someone else. See you later. You know, well, who is that person? Rashido. He's, he's, he's the director of football. Yeah, but if but then Mark Rashido will come on the TV and go, it's an embarrassment, hard choices and all the rest of it. The only hard choice that Mark Rashido ever made was to get rid of Sando. You know, what what appointment or what change has Mark Rashido made as a board member and as he's not the director of football, but he's the, um, the like, whatever it is on the board that oversees the football operations. Yes, that's what I meant by that. Yeah, yes. yeah. So he, he oversees, like Brett Burton would report to Rue on the board, you would think, directly. Um, so, but I, I've been told that when Brett Burton was appointed, Mark Rusciuto wasn't involved in that discussion because of Mark's personal relationship with Brett. So they've recognised that when Brett was appointed... Um, you know, Mark couldn't be involved in that uh, other than to vouch for Bird's character, obviously, um, because of his close personal relationship. So how can it be now, having recognised that there could be personal bias there, how can they now make Brett report to Mark? Because doesn't that bias remain? Yes, it does. It does. And this is this is the thing. So, yes, there was probably due diligence done with Brett's appointment, in terms of uh, managing the relationships he had with existing people within the club, but having recognised that now they've put now they've basically created that situation where Mark is now in charge of Brett and Brett's reporting to Mark, and you think to yourself, well, you've just created the situation that you wanted to avoid uh, when you were appointing him. So where is that? Where is that tension? If you haven't got tension between Mark and Brett, then you haven't got tension coming down the line. Well, I'm a little bit to Simon Moore's way. I reckon, as he, as he said, the deal was done outside the room, I would say. In other words, Ruth said, no, you, you have the job. I'll make no, sure no, 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 I don't believe that's the case, Macca. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the outcome is the same, right? I mean, look, I, I, don't, think, I don't think people at the club are bullshit artists. I, re- I really don't. Um, you know, we've always had frank and open and honest discussions with the people down at the club and, you know, uh, over the next couple of weeks we'll present um, uh, what was said to us um, with Andrew and with Ian Shuttleworth and I take I take Fags as being as up, an upfront bloke who is passionate about the club, who wants the club to succeed, etc., um, etc., et puts in long hours, all that. I, I don't think that Fags has blown... Smoke up my ass, right? But well, having, no, not necessarily. But having, but having said that, having said that, it doesn't mean that the, every decision that they make is correct. And my point is that I don't know who's the who's the person at board level, or whether the board are equipped, or even geared towards looking at the operations of the club on a day-to-day basis and going, you know what, that Joe Bloggs over there, he's stuffed up a few times or we're a bit worried about his ability to handle X, Y, Z, so we're going to have to make a change. Who, who at board level is instigating those changes? And no, that's, 
Good and, point. And it can't be Rui because he's best mates with Bird. So you're going to have that natural bias. And I don't think it's conscious. It's a natural thing. You know what I mean? So I, we probably need to finish off with that because we've gone straight into Tuesday Night Live territory. Um, right. And we've gone do, do, uh, yeah, hour, one hour, 40 minutes. But it's a fascinating discussion, Macca, and I think the club really, really, really is at the crossroads now. Yeah, and to anybody out there who think you probably just listened to an hour and 40 minutes of negativity and uh, disillusionment, you did. Uh, and because that's because we're actually describing what we saw and what we've seen coming for a long time and what we've seen over the last few years and a continuation. And this is the culmination of it and we're, because we've been doing the same old thing the same, every year after year and not bring the juniors on as fast as we could have and should have, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, and we've got some appointments there which are very, very questionable in terms of uh, the roles they play. We've got uh, coach, uh, coaching assistants that are questionable um, and have got a game plan that's questionable. So, yes, sorry to have raved for so long about it, but, you know, it's, it, well, it has to be said and at least we've had the courage to give our opinions on it. Well, and, you know, Maka, um when we're not the type of Crows podcast that will sit there and clap the boys and all the rest of it. I would love to be sitting here talking about another famous Crows showdown victory um, and a march towards September action with a real good, honest shot at a flag. After yeah, that's having, what I wanted to be able know, to do. That's, that's what we want to be able to do. And But, but you know, we, we're also, we're not happy clappers. We're not just going to clap and support the boys for the sake of it. We love the footy club. We, you know, we want success for everyone that's involved in the footy club but the club is always bigger than the individuals maker and therefore sometimes you've got to you've got to drill down and look at individuals and see whether they're they're serving the club to to uh to its full advantage and a lot of the things we've been going since 2015 mate and you've been with us since i think what 2016 Mm -hmm. yep and I don't think the message has changed. I don't, I don't think what we've observed and what we've spoken about has changed. Do you? <laughs> no, there's been a couple of other games similar to this, the North Melbourne game, etc. So, look, it is the same old, same old, and it's always going to come up unless you do look, you do the same thing all the time, you get the same results. And that's my point. Uh, that's my point. I think we've seen a lot of repetitive behaviour from the Crows, and we're going to talk about it. We love the club. We hope people don't get too despondent uh, about the Crowcast because we do pinpoint the negatives. But by hell, when things are going well, we'll pinpoint the positives as well. Um, but we are going to call a spade a spade. So anyway, mate, I reckon we just about leave it there, don't you? Well, I think it's uh, all been said, and I think it's also by all the people out there. Yeah. I think that's all been seen by them as well. So yeah. Mass- uh, I think that's probably a good note to finish on. Yeah, look, massive thanks to Ryan at Smith Partners Real Estate. If you're in the market uh, to buy, sell, or rent, please visit Ryan at Golden Grove at Smith Partners Real Estate. Um, also, down to earth or electrical, if you have uh, data or electrical needs, uh, give them a call anywhere across the uh, Adelaide area. Um, thanks also to 
to Tim. I tried to get Scorpus on tonight, Macca, because he would have given a fair melt as well. But unfortunately, he had a prior. <laughs> he en- would have gone off. Yeah, he had a prior engagement, unfortunately. Uh, but we we appreciate his support as well. Go and visit Hardware Unboxed on YouTube uh, to get all your tech reviews and news. And finally, most importantly, thanks everyone who supports us on Patreon. Uh, if you do want to support the Crowcast, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast or v- click the orange Patreon button at aflcrowcast.com. Mate, that's it for tonight. Uh, I'm into my second red. I've had a gutful. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday night. I think you're having a rest Tuesday night this week, are you? Yes, I am, thank God. I'll, I'll listen to see what Nicky's got to say, see whether Nicky has got the... I was going to say... Well, I can't say what I was going to say, but she had the what's your name? But, um, whether she's got the courage to come out and say what she thinks. Because oh, she I, I think... I think she will. Uh, we'll have Nikki, also Donkey, I think will be back on deck along with Peter J. So I might just sit back, having had my say for an hour and three quarters. I'm going to shut up on Tuesday night and let uh, let everyone else have a say. But in the meantime... I the old Donk will have a word or two. Donk might have a word, yeah. Uh, all right, mate, it's been great talking footy with you tonight. Thanks to everyone on Spreaker Chat uh, and everyone who supports the Crowcast. We'll see you on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live. Yeah, good night all, and things will only get better.